He said a few weeks ago, um, just closing worship, that to be thankful in everything, in everything, but that's much harder to do. It's easier to do when things are good, when we're, when we're gathered together and things are going fine, or you're getting that paycheck and you're like, ooh, it's Friday and I just got paid. It's a lot easier to do that than when those bills are right there and, and you don't have enough money, the month's too long for the money or whatever. But he does want us to give thanks and, and he is faithful. And, and so um, I just want to take a little time this morning like that just to, to let you guys share, and hopefully you've been encouraged by that. And so if you will turn to your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 22, I just want to share a few verses this morning. And, you know, um, we throw the word love out a lot. We, we, in context, we always know what love means. You just, if I say I love my spouse, you know what context that is in it, versus me saying I love ice cream or, or I love this sports team or, or I love this type of entertainment. We all kind of know what that means based on the context that is there. And, and we throw it out, the word love, a lot. You know, it was, if I say I love ice cream, what I'm saying really is that I like to eat ice cream. Not that I'm in love with ice cream in the same way I'm in love with my wife. Um, it's more of a liking. But because we use love in so many different degreeing levels and, and variations, when we come to a scripture like this that uses love, we have a filter. Each one of us kind of has a filter that we're filtering this process of love through or the idea of love through. And so this morning, I want us to, to, to be aware of that as we get into the word, but, but also allow the Lord to challenge us to, to know more what he means when he says that we're to love him and to love our neighbors ourselves. This scripture you're very familiar with, it's, it's where Jesus is being asked what the two greatest commandments are. Starting in verse 34 of Matthew 22, Jesus says this. It says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these are the two ruling parties of the Sanhedrin, the basically the religious rulers of Israel. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the, the main differential thing between the two that we hear in Scripture is the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, which basically they didn't believe there was, there was anything in terms of afterlife. They believe you died and your legacy and everything lived on through your offspring and, and so forth. The Pharisees believe there's something that happens. You don't ever fully die. Your soul still, still remains. And, and I don't want to go to it too much. But the Sadducees had come just before this in, in chapter 22 and they had questioned Jesus about the resurrection. They had said, Jesus, if this man marries this woman and he dies, and so according to Moses, if he died, then the brother would marry. And if that brother died than another brother. And so they're asking Jesus, if this happens seven times, then whose wife is she in heaven? And I love Jesus' response. He says, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And he begins to kind of correct them on this. And, and they're kind of walking away with their leg between their tails. Jesus, and I think the crowds, it says, and when the crowds heard this, verse 33, they were astonished at his teaching. So the Pharisees are now coming to Jesus it's almost like they had a conversation with the Sadducees saying, look, you guys have tried. You give it the old Hail Mary, the, the best try you possibly could. Let us take it from here. And the Pharisees had already questioned Jesus a number of times. Earlier in the chapter, um, they're questioning Jesus about um, paying taxes. Do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And, of course, Jesus says, show me the coin. 
whose, whose face is on this coin? And they say, Caesar. We'll give to Caesar what is his and give to God what is his. So this question that the Pharisees are coming to ask is not a political one this time. It's more of a theological one. And so they came together in verse 35, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Now the Pharisees, it was common for the Pharisees, I don't know to say sit around, but they, I imagine they were sitting around having these discussions about the different laws and stuff. And they would commonly discuss which of the commandments were greater and which ones were, were lower. And they usually use the term which ones were heavy, which carry more weight, and which ones are light. Now, a light law or a light command didn't necessarily mean that you just dismissed it. It just meant it had a lower priority. It was common to say this one has a, a heavy weight put upon it. And really the mark of a good Pharisee was how you responded to some of these questions. So if I was a Pharisee and I was being asked, hey, what is, what is the greatest commandment? Then I was being judged based on how I'd answer. My answer would show the, the depth or the knowledge that I had of the law or the scriptures. It would also show how wise I was. It also would show how, how I could uh, maneuver some of the political circles. Because more than likely, an answer would alienate a certain group. Because you would say, this law is more than this law. What well, would make one group be displaced or one group be higher honored than another group. And this is why the Pharisees are coming to Jesus, to, to kind of begin to divide some of the crowds that are there with him. They know if they ask him this question, who is the great, or what, not who is, what is the greatest commandment? that he's going to alienate one party. He's going to alienate someone in the crowds. He's got great crowds that are coming. They're astonished with his teaching. They're, they're, they're fascinated with the healings and, and the things that he's, he's doing. They're coming into relationship with him. And if they begin, based on his answer, to, to take one group and cause some dissension or disunity, it's kind of a kink in the armor. Now Jesus answers in verse 37. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, I think it's interesting how Jesus answers. He uses two Old Testament verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Let's, let's bring that one up. I want you to, it says, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. And the other is Leviticus 19.18. It says, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now both of these, the emphasis on love. It's not on a regulation. Jesus didn't answer, well, if you do this on Sunday, or if you, if you give this much, or you, or you think about that. It's on an action, but it's on love. And he unites these two verses together and he brings them together in a way to where one is not independent of the other. They're dependent of each other. In the economy of God, you can't have one without the other. You can't say, well, I'm gonna love the Lord God with everything I have, but I'm gonna choose when I love my neighbor. I'm gonna choose to not love my neighbor as myself sometimes. I'm gonna gonna hold them a little bit less because I just wanna be about myself. You know, you can't say I'm going to love myself or my neighbor together the same, 
But God, I'm going to phone it into you sometimes. I'm going to love you with most of my mind or most of my heart or most of my strength. They're inseparable. And we talk about kind of the two planes of relationship, that there's this vertical relationship that we have. It's between me and God, or it's between a community like this and God. It's the relationship that we have with the Heavenly Father. It's a vertical thing, and there's ways that, that we, we cultivate that relationship. We cultivate it through reading the Word, study the Word, gathering together, fellowshipping, prayer, serving, all those ways that we cultivate that. But then there's that horizontal relationship that we have as well. And we talked about this about two months ago, if you remember, when we were talking about relational formation, that we're invited into the community of the Trinity, of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm invited in. You're invited in. And thus it creates this horizontal plane that if you're fellowshipping and I'm fellowshipping, and there's an invitation to everyone, believers and non-believers, then there's a horizontal plane that we also have to, to live in and we have no choice but to love our neighbors ourselves, because Jesus has said we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, we believe this is so important that we've made it our mission statement or our vision statement, I guess is, is the better way of saying it. It's above the door in the lobby. We say honor God, which really is the same as love God. We say honor God, love people, impact the nations. The two greatest commands, because if you love God, if we choose to love God and bring glory to his name, and do whatever it takes to surrender and submit and sacrifice and put him in the first place, he's going to receive glory. But we can't just have it by itself. We've got to love other people. We've got to love people like us, people who aren't like us, people who hold the same values, people who don't hold the same values. People who are on, on the left, people who are on the right, people who are in the middle, people who are on top, people who are on the bottom, whatever. We've got to love all people. And with that, we believe there's an impact that comes to the nations. And with nations, we're not saying like Spain and France. All that. It's people. It's every tribe, every language, every person. There's an impact that just naturally comes, a positive impact. But we also know it's hard to walk out. That's why we want to keep it before us. To, to love God, to honor God, at times it's hard to do. You probably had those situations this week. Someone maybe cut you off in traffic. Someone sent you a text and you weren't sure really how to take that text or, or you just heard a comment on the TV that you just wanted to throw your shoe at the TV because you're like, man, that person doesn't know anything. It's hard to honor God. It's also hard to love people as well. And we have to continue to, to open our hearts and continue to allow the Lord to work and, and refine us and conform us more and more into his image. I really want to focus this morning on the loving people aspect because I think that's very important. You know, I, um, I was looking back at some sermons a few weeks ago and, and I came across this series that we did about five years ago on our vision, what it means to honor God, what it means to love people, and what it means to impact the nations. And I remember there was, a, there was an analogy that I used in one of those sermons about loving people where I dropped pennies all over the floor of the sanctuary, 30, 35, 40. And in the middle of the sermon, I asked, hey, did anyone find a penny? I did the same thing this morning. Anyone find a penny? Did anyone pick up a penny? I only put six pennies because we got little kids running around. And I waited till the fellowship moment because I didn't want one to be eaten. I didn't want to put you to work today. All right. Did anyone pick up a penny, though? You picked up a penny. Why did you pick up the penny? There we go. You saw value in it. 
so I can advance the kingdom of God, right? What if I told you there's $100, there's actually $200 bills taped under someone's seat? If you're sitting in the back, you're nowhere close. Yeah, people are looking, aren't they? Oh, did someone take it already? Now, this isn't my money. This, is, this belongs to the McDowell's. This is operation money. I don't know if it's under there or not. You can look, Nathan, and, and find it. See, what, what, what happened in your heart? A $100 bill. $100 bill. There's a penny laying right here. I didn't see anyone come fighting for it. The value is here. This has no value. But just the idea is like, oh, you know, a lot of times we look at people and we, we say, do they have value? Do they not have value? To God, everyone has value. See, these aren't even shiny pennies. I was intentional to find the pennies that have been around the block a few times. The old dingy ones, the ones that you just don't know. 1973, this has been around the block a lot. But people, sometimes we look as, as this penny, dingy, old. What value do they have to me? And then we find someone who has a connection to something. Oh, this person's got value. And I'm, I'm gravitating more towards this person because maybe, maybe they have deep pockets or, or maybe, they have, maybe they're a director of, of a company who can help me get a job or, or maybe they have a fast car or, or maybe, maybe they have something. We, we put people at different levels many times. But Jesus doesn't. He says everyone is valued at the same level. And he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. In fact, when we look in Luke, the 15th chapter, there's two parables Jesus talks about. It's the parable of the lost sheep. All 100 of those sheep had value, but one was missing. And Jesus says, I'm going to leave the 99 in good care. I'm going to go find the one that's lost because it has value. That sheep has value. The second parable that Jesus tells in, in, in that section of Luke 15 is about the parable of the lost coin. This woman has 10 coins, silver coins, not a lot of value, but she loses one. She sweeps the house. She's frantically finding that. Now, you can relate to this because you've looked for your remote in the same way, I'm sure, before. You're turning up cushions on your couch. You're, I'm blaming the kids. What did you do? Let's do with it. And when you find it, you're like, oh. But God has value place in each and every one of us. Psalm 139, a lot, of the, a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of the New Testament tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves and sees value in all people. You know, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, they were all upset with Jesus because he was welcoming sinners into his presence. He would go and, and he, would, he would have dinner um, or hang out with the tax collectors the scum of the earth, the prostitutes, he would go and he would hang out with, and, and he, would even not even, he wouldn't even condemn them. The lady who was getting ready to get stoned says, he without sin cast the first stone. And they all left, all the Pharisees and others left, and he said, where's your accusers? And she said, they're not here. And he said, I don't, I don't accuse you. You're forgiven. He loves those people. He loves all people. He loves you. He loves every single one of us. In Greek, this, this word to welcome means to um, receive with favor, favorably receive. 
You know, I can welcome you to my house. There's people who knock on my door and I welcome them. They're salesmen, but they're not coming in my house. Or the door might crack a little bit. Yeah, what do you want? I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to welcome them. Hey, welcome. I'm not going to shoot you while you're on my property. I'm not going to throw water balloons. You know, I'm not going to do stuff like that. I'm going to welcome them and treat them with dignity and respect. But they're not coming to my house. Any of you come into my house and I welcome you in and I have you stand in the foyer doesn't mean I've really welcomed you. When I've welcomed you, when I've favorably received you, I'm going to say, take a seat on the couch. Can I get you something to drink? Would you like something to eat? Take your shoes off. Make yourself at home. You want to take a nap? There's, there's, there's beds. Go find one. There's, a, there's an idea of favorably receiving, receiving a person for, for who they are. And Jesus would favorably receive people, everyone, sinners, his neighbor. He also tells a parable of, of who our neighbor is when he's, when he's asked. Who's our neighbor? He tells the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The one who was, was really the outcast. And, you know, the, the one who was, was part Jewish but part Assyrian, which was just a stench. In the, in, if you were 100% Jewish, it was a stench that there would be a person on earth that was half Jew and half something else. And it's this Samaritan who took care of the one that was beaten on the road. Who's our neighbor? He, he asked that, that person. You know, I think when we talk about loving people, if we're, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's a hard question. And I think our culture, our media, even ourselves, we stir it up sometimes just because of some of the issues we face in our culture today. We're in the midst of a political season, and, and like most political seasons, it's not pretty. I mean, we were watching, I think, football the other night, and, and every commercial was a political commercial. And I'm thinking, gosh, it's only September whatever. We're eight weeks out, and, and it's every other commercial. And neither, neither side's being nice. It's slinging mud already. We're, we're in, a, in, a, in a situation where, in our country where, there, where there's, there's race issues. There's policing questions. Maybe, maybe even in your own house, there's contention. And, and there's, there's this issue of, do I really love everyone in my house or in my neighborhood? Maybe some of you are, are, are you've, you've experienced that Sunday morning come to church conflict argument with someone else in the car. There's different things that are there, and we say, man, how, how can I love my neighbor as myself? How can I love that person who doesn't agree with me? Or maybe, maybe it's not necessarily at that level of agreeing, but who's spewing out what seems like hatred, who seems to have a totally different point of view that I cannot understand or see. How could they ever come from that point of view? We cross our arms and we say, hmm, yeah, I'll, I love them. I love them from a distance. I'm not going to take their life. I'm not going to hurt them. But in our heart, do we really love them? And Jesus is getting at the heart of the Pharisees. Because in action, the, I can't say the Pharisees love people, but they, they would sure kind of act like they love people. But the heart, the heart. You know, I just want to tell you a little bit of a personal story um, that kind of hit me a little bit between the eyes on Wednesday morning at breakfast. So at our school, you know, the school where all our kids go, it's about five years old. And um, they have their core classes, you know, the, the writing, the math, the 
all, the, all those things. But then they have special classes, which is like art, music, PE, Spanish. I think those are, the, are kind of the main four. Now, one of those special classes has never had a lot of success with their teacher just because, um, I don't know why, but it's always kind of been this up and down, and, and teacher changes year to year, and, and it's just been kind of a joke class in some ways. So last year, um, they got in a new teacher, and um, she was really hard, and I didn't think she communicated very well. And so we, her and I had some email interaction just trying to figure some things out, but she would always write me back with one word or one line. And I'm like, she's not answering my question. So I just said, hey, do you mind if I just sit down with you and have a conversation? And it's really just trying to understand what's the greater picture of all this. She said, yeah, that would be fine. In, fa- in fact, I'm going to invite the principal to come as well. I said, great. And so we had this conversation, and, and I really was frustrated because I didn't feel like she saw the point of view. Um, she was really trying to defend herself, I felt, more than anything. But, but that's that. And the principal and I talked, and he said, you know, she's transitioning from high school to elementary to young elementary, so there's, there's just going to be some time. We're, we're working with it and all that. So I just kind of dismissed it, and it was like, but, you know, I'm not going to necessarily be going out of my way to, to say hi to this person, you know, just to be honest. You know, I, I, again, I'm not going to trip her up. I'm not going to firebomb her car. I'm not going to, if I see her bleeding out on the street, I'm going to help her, you know. But I'm not going to go out of my way necessarily. And on top of that, She's a Muslim. Now, how much has our media fed certain perceptions into our hearts and our minds about Islam and being a Muslim? Every Muslim is a terrorist, right? That's what the media wants you to believe in a lot of ways. But are they valued in God's eyes the same as a Buddhist, an atheist, an agnostic? God's created every single person. So I just kind of kept my distance a little bit. Wednesday morning, the girls, they said, hey, do you have so-and-so for class? Which, of course, they do because it's a special and, and that person's the only teacher. And one of the girls said, yeah, she's mean and strict. You know, they said, yeah, yeah, she's really mean and strict. Well, teachers should be strict at some point, right? And Nathan chimed in. He said, no, she's really nice. And I was like, what? My son has betrayed me. <laughs> but he was the Holy Spirit. You know, I went to get Adeline's shoes, and it, and it hit me like, whoa. She doesn't probably know Jesus in the way we do. So I went back and said, girls, we need to pray for her. Because if I didn't know Jesus and I didn't have the peace that Jesus brings, I don't know how I would be. And there could be a lot of other things besides that component that we don't know is going on. And, and, and there could be, you know, that spills over into class at times because none of us are perfect. And so we need to pray that God begins just to, to show his love to her. And something changed in my heart, to be honest with you, to where I'm like, all right, if I see her, I'm going to say hi to her. But the reality is, how many people do we have like that in our life that we've just dismissed a little bit. They've said something to us that we've taken the wrong way. Maybe we've taken it the right way. Maybe we need to hear the truth that they just said. How many times do we have people who, who aren't like us, who, who don't understand our point of view, who have argued with us, and we've just dismissed them? We're loving them from a distance because that's the good Christian thing to do. But will we join arms with them 
And a lot of times it's other people who call themselves believers. And they may even be true believers. It's hard to love. And that's the question is, is are we willing to love our neighbors ourselves? What's kind of holding up the love that's there in our heart? There's, there's things that I think all of us have. They're kind of holding up love for other people. It's easy to say, man, I love, I love all people. Man, my church is multi-ethnic. Of course I love all people. I wouldn't go to that church if I didn't love all people. You know, it, it's easy to kind of say these things, but in, in honesty, have we checked our heart? And I want to encourage us to really check our hearts, to say, Lord, do I love my neighbors myself? Not in this generalized statement, but who are those that are around me that are really my neighbors? You know, social media is such a great place, isn't it? People say what they want to with no consequence. A lot of times, sure, you can, you can kind of say something back, but I think we've all probably been offended by something that's been said upon social media. Maybe we've defriended them. I don't know if defriend or just whatever, removed them. Unfriend, there we go. You, or others at work that we just kind of, we, we go the other way. What would God call or challenge you to? And I'm asking you just to, to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart on that. Those people we say, I love, I love all people, but yet there may be something in our heart. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend upon these two commands. It's hard, it's difficult. But let's look in the mirror. Let's be transparent and say, Lord, there are some things right here. Help me, strengthen me to begin to love those other people. Love doesn't always necessarily mean agree. We, I love my wife a lot, but we disagree on some things. Not major things, right? But we do have point of view differences. But we listen to understand where the other person's coming from. I process everything internally. and I'm like, can't you process stuff internally? Why do we always have to have this external conversation? But I understand, and we, we don't accommodate is not necessarily the right word, but yet we do. It's love. This world's crazy that we live in. And the world's looking at us as believers and we've talked about this in the last few weeks and saying, hey, your words don't match up to your actions. It's not always those general things. It goes a little bit deeper. Who are you having those trusted conversations with of saying, hey, you can't believe what this person did, da, 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 da. It's maybe bringing them down as well. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that, that your word is, it's true. Your word is difficult at times too. Lord, you know it's hard. It can be difficult to love you with everything, all of our minds, all of our strength, all of our soul. But yet you make it possible. And we ask, Lord, that, that you make it possible. We love you more and more and more. 
And Lord, help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Not just to be something that we just say. Yes, we, we love people. We love those that are, that are easy to love. But Lord, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Lord, we confess that we haven't done this in, in, in the way that you've wanted us to. And Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and you begin to, to show us areas where we haven't loved people in the way, where we have some, some animosity, where we have just a wall that's been built up. Yes, we'll be cordial, we'll be nice, but we're not loving in the way you'd want us to love. Jesus, we thank you you laid your life down for us that while we were your, your enemies, you went to the cross so that we may have life. Thank you for that. Help us to walk in that example. Help us to love the people around us that are like us, that are not, aren't like us. Lord, let this church just be known as a church that loves each and every person, that loves strangers, that loves their neighbors. Lord, it's not easy. So strengthen us. Allow us to have grace and forgiveness. Lord, thank you that you sharpen us as iron sharpens iron. So sharpen us. And Lord, help us to have those difficult conversations as well that we certainly need to have. Lord, let there be understanding. Let there be a, a spirit to listen, to understand, to grow and to love. And may you receive the glory and the honor in all of our words and all of our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. I want our prayer ministers to come forward.